The following is a midnight entertainment presentation. Listen on. This is the truth of it. Fighting leads to killing. And killing gets to warring. And that was damn near the death of us all. Now when men get to fighting, it happens here. And it finishes here. Two men enter. One man leaves. And right now, I've got two men. Two men with a gut full of fear. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. It's time for 30 minutes of sci-fi, 30 minutes of fantasy, 30 minutes of pop culture, movies, and television. It's time for 30 minutes of geek. This week, host Jim Yelton puts his geek trivia reputation on the line. Quizmaster Chris Hayes presents the questions as Jim is challenged by Chuck Post Hun. One third of the Nerd Bowl Trivia Champions Team Awesome 2.0. We present the first edition of the 30 minutes of Geek Trivia Thunderdome. Plus, another look at the listener mailbag and much more. And now, if Marvel hadn't chosen a woman to become the new Thor, he would have been the second choice. Your host for 30 Minutes of Geek, Jim Yelton. Gentlemen, boys and girls, and children of all ages, welcome to the show that is more fun than watching Mr. Spock play three-dimensional chess with Chewbacca the Wookiee. It's 30 Minutes of Geek, and I am your host, Jim Yelp. As always, we're accompanied by our Android announcer, Rachel, who apparently is having a little bit of trouble saying the word postin. We are... <laughs> We are here this week with something we have been promoting and previewing for weeks now. Ever since we started the show, it is the first monthly trivia Thunderdome right here on 30 Minutes of Geek. We did this a few weeks ago at our live show here in Columbia, Missouri. Chris Hayes was the quiz master, and we were challenged in the Thunderdome by one-third of the NerdCon Nerd Bowl champion, Team Awesome 2.0. This guy is actually a nuclear engineer. He's Chuck Poston, he was gracious enough to come and face us in the Thunderdome, and we actually started the show explaining to everybody how Chris Hayes got roped into this. And apparently the story started with Chris Hayes attended NerdCon several years ago as a contestant in the Nerd Bowl and wasn't real happy with the questions. And I felt kind of bad because I voiced my displeasure after having a few adult beverages. So I felt bad about it the next day, so I offered to run the trivia starting the next year, not thinking they would actually take me up on it. They took me up on it. <laughs> and they did. And you've been doing it for how many uh, years this, now? Uh, this was my fourth year. Actually. Okay. So mm. when I decided that I wanted to do the podcast, Chris was one of those people that I said, I have to do something with trivia just because I'm a huge trivia geek. And part of NerdCon is that Chris does Nerd Bowl and... There's, it's not always been the same people, but there's been, a, usually there's always like two people that carry over and then they draft a third one, but there's like this dynasty that's been going on for years. And I invited, it's, now it's Team Awesome 2.0, and I invited all of them, and unfortunately they couldn't all make it. Chuck came in, so Chuck, why don't you introduce yourself first and tell everybody kind of where you got drafted into Jim and Chris's NerdCon dynasty. Uh, well, for about five years, I uh, 
served as one of Jim Little's minions at the power plant. And we were in charge of simulating nuclear meltdowns and disasters and other horrible things on a fairly regular basis. And uh, when the NerdCon came up, he said, Chuck, I know that you're kind of um, a nerd. (laughs) Maybe you could help me out. We're having a team. Chris is going to be doing trivia. Why don't you come in? and uh, be a part of my team. And we had Team Nuclear that first year. That's right. You were Team Nuclear that first year. We brought in another one of our engineers, and uh, that year we won. And I have to say that every year since, the level of competition has increased dramatically, (laughs) such that it's a little more intimidating every year. (laughs) So I am, uh, with Chris's questions here, I'm a little bit nervous. Well, and I, I know that you said, did you go back all the way to the the first year that you did it? I did or not. Were you cherry picking questions well, for those? I basically took these mainly from about three years ago. Okay. Thinking, hoping Chuck doesn't remember from three years yeah. ago. <laughs> <laughs> now, gentlemen, we've gone through all the instruction in the dressing room. Now, look here. I expect a tough, clean fight. Protect yourself at all times. Any question from the challenger, Chief Second. Any question from the champion, Chief Second. Let's get it on! Why don't you go ahead, whatever category you want to start with. Okay, we will start with Star Trek then. Spock, what are the odds in getting a Royal Fisman? I've never computed them, Captain. Well, they're astronomical, believe me. And I will let Chuck go first. We're not going to do a coin toss. It's my damn show. So <laughs> I, I elect to, I'm going to let him take the first. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Who was originally offered the role of Spock? Oh, my. No, it wasn't George <laughs> <laughs> He was the third choice. <laughs> oh, goodness. First offered Spock. I'm going to have to pass. I'm going to have to pass. I, I don't know. You know, I'm really going to hate myself because I just read an article yesterday. <laughs> About this. Oh, okay. Martin Landau. Incorrect. It was actually DeForest Kelly who went mm. on to play. <laughs> One of our audience members knew it. All right. So no answer. So you're up this time. I am up. Okay. Who was the only Star Trek cast member to direct episodes in four Star Trek series? Uh, well, let's see. LeVar Burton. That is correct. All right. So one nothing. Third question. To Chuck. What were the Borg initially conceptualized as? Insects. That is correct. 1-1, going into our fourth question. For Jim. What planet is Khan exiled to during the original Star Trek series? It was SETI Alpha 5. That is correct. Chuck, you have to get this to force the tiebreaker. What letter do most male... Vulcan names begin with, and what letter do most female Vulcan names begin with? Uh, male names typically begin with S, Spock, and Sarek. And yes. Female names. Oh, my. There's George Takei again. <laughs> Ooh. Chris, I, I'm drawing a blank here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> gonna to have to pass on this one, too. It looks like, looks like I lose this uh, right. category. Did you know the correct answer? It was T. It was T, yes. Very nice. So Jim wins the first category. Now we move on to Star Wars. I suggest a new strategy, Artu. Let the Wookiee win, 
And since Chuck started the last category, I believe Jim will start yes. this category. My strategy is paying off. <laughs> what moon of Yavin serves as the base of operations for the Rebels during the final attack on the Death Star in Star Wars Episode Four? It was the fourth moon. That is correct. All right, Chuck. What is the last name of Luke Skywalker's Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru? Lars. That is correct. All right, Jim. What role did Billy D. Williams originally audition for? Well, he's too tall to be R2-D2. <laughs> um, Boba Fett. That is incorrect, Chuck. I'm going to say Han Solo. And Han Solo would be correct. He mm. ends up in Han Solo's clothes. <laughs> that actually makes a more interesting move. <laughs> for a few movies, kind of creepy. Kind of changes but... everything. So Chuck is up two one, and I believe it's his question for a chance for the win for this category. What does the tie in Tie Fighter stand for? Yeah, uh, twin ion engine. That is correct. Oh, give the nuclear guy that. <laughs> That's just the way it worked out. <laughs> so we are tied one category each. The Titanic Trivia Tug of War is tied at one round each. Stay tuned as Jim and Chuck continue their battle in the Trivia Thunder Dome when 30 Minutes of Geek returns. This week's show is sponsored by the Now Write Writing Guide series from Tarcher Penguin. Now Write Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror is the latest book in the popular Now Write series, and it offers a full toolbox of advice and exercises for speculative fiction writers from some of the most well-known names in the genre. Are you hoping to craft an engaging alternate reality or flesh out an enthralling fantasy quest, or even dream up a blood-curdling plot twist? Well, you can learn secrets from authors such as Harlan Ellison, Piers Anthony, Jack Ketchum, Ramsey Campbell, John Skip, Joe R. Lansdale, David Brin, Vonda McIntyre. I mean, the list goes on and on. They provide tips, tricks, and suggestions to help take your writing to the next level. Whether you're a beginner or a published professional, now write science fiction, fantasy, and horror is a must-have for every genre writer's bookshelf. You know, I always tell everybody when I do a workshop or I teach one of my screenwriting classes that when I started, there was like two books that gave instruction on how to do this sort of thing. And you kind of, it was like being a babe in the woods, like you just kind of had to find your way. And this is a really good way to get some exercises and some hints and tips on how to jumpstart your writing. So make sure to check it out. It's now right. Science fiction, fantasy, and horror. It's available in most Barnes and Noble stores on Amazon.com and directly from their website at nowright.net. Jim beat the no-win scenario in the Star Trek round, and Chuck used the force to win the Star Wars round. The contest is tied at one round each. Here with round three is our quiz master, Chris Hayes. As we move on to the third category, which is the written word. Oh, dear. <laughs> Hold it. Nobody said anything about three books. Like, like what am I supposed to do? Take, take one book, or all books, or, or what? And I believe it is Chuck's turn to start. Is that correct? Yes. All right, Chuck. Unfortunately so, yes. In Ender's Game, what alien species are the humans fighting? Uh, they're fighting the Formics. Or they call them buggers. Yes, either, uh, either is acceptable. All right, for Jim. 
What is the name of the nation that Hunger Games takes place in? Oh, my God. My daughter's going to kill me for not knowing this. I knew you had a daughter, so. <laughs> I know. Oh. I know as soon as you say it, I'm going to, like, slap myself for it. I, I'm drawing a blank. I Chuck? never read the books, never saw the movie. I'm the last person on earth not to do it. Pan Am is oh, correct. And the audience, audience gets a point. <laughs> All right, so we are at 1-0. Chuck, your question. Who is the leader of the dwarves in The Hobbit? Thorin Oakenshield. That is correct. Jim has to get this one right to stay in this round. What comic book does Superman make his first appearance in? Action Comics number one. That is correct. All right. Chuck, this question, if you get it right, you will win this category. Name two of the three children who go on an adventure through space and time in A Wrinkle in Time. Uh, I have to pass on this one, too, I'm afraid. All right. Don't know. Jim? So if I don't answer, that means he wins, right? That is correct. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Golly, I have. (laughs) I know. Yeah, I'm gonna have to give that one to you because I have no idea. Anybody in the audience know this one? Nope. It is Meg and Charles Wallace Murray and Calvin O'Keefe. Oh wow! Figured that was a popular book. Apparently, I misjudged that one. All right, whose turn is it to go first? As we're up, I think it's mine. All right, we're going into the math. Science and English Are category. you kidding me? No, I'm like, not. I need this to stay alive. <laughs> yes, right? you do. Golly. You're NASA for crying out loud. You put a man on the moon. You're geniuses. All right, Jim. Danny went to 27 baseball games this year. He went to 51 games last year. How many baseball games did Danny go to altogether? Can you repeat the question? I certainly can. Danny went to 27 baseball games this year. He went to 51 games last year. How many baseball games did Danny go to altogether? Well, I would say not enough, but <laughs> 78. That would be correct. All right. Chuck, what is the symbol for silver on the periodic table of elements? AG. That's correct. Jim, what is the difference between IT apostrophe S and ITS? One is uh, possessive, and the other is it is. That is correct. All right. For Chuck, Nathan solved 55 puzzles during the Whiz Kid contest. Marco solved 19 more problems than Nathan. How many puzzles did Marco solve? 74. That's correct. All right, Jim, you have a chance to win the category. Z-N is the symbol for what element? Zinc. That's correct. We're tied up now. It's 2-2. Uh, 2-2. Two, two. Two, two. It's a standoff Sergio Leone would be proud of. The fight goes down to the wire as 30 minutes of Geek continues momentarily.
must mean it's time for another dip into the 30 Minutes of Geek listener mailbag. This week, we get some comments from longtime friend of the show, Jeremy Bloss. I was able to listen to the first two podcasts, and so, like you said at the end of episode two, let me give you my thoughts. I thought the first podcast was good. I also liked the special treat at the end of the second podcast. The content in this podcast was great. I was engrossed in the discussion and felt like I was having a beer with the two of you, even though I was in the middle of a six-mile run. I really enjoyed the part where you got a bit meta discussing that the second episode is actually 30 minutes and 17 seconds long. It got me thinking, if you didn't make that comment would it have been 17 seconds shorter that blew my mind a bit well how about this jeremy let me blow your mind a little bit more every episode has been 30 minutes and 17 seconds long anyway jeremy goes on to say great job i look forward to your future podcast i hope you'll take on the non-marvel marvel movies namely i'd love to hear a discussion on how the x-men movie world has developed and what the future is to come with it basically being reset with days of future past and of course what is going on with spidey so let's take the x-men movies first The easiest thing to do is to send you over to the White Rocket podcast. If you listen to the first two episodes, author Van Allen Plexico was our guest, and he hosts a really great podcast at whiterocketbooks.com, and he just did a podcast episode about the entire X-Men franchise. He really sums up a lot about what I think about the X-Men universe. And so go over to whiterocketbooks.com and listen to Van's White Rocket podcast about the X-Men movies. As far as Spidey goes, there was a lot of news this week about a rumor going around that Sony was negotiating with Marvel to allow Marvel to use Spider-Man in a future movie, whether it's, you know, an Avengers sequel or, or something like that. And the one thing I kept thinking about is this smacks of desperation from Sony to try and kind of gin up some interest in Spider-Man since The Amazing Spider-Man 2 kind of fell on its face and ruined all of their plans for a Spidey universe. Now, the problem with using Spider-Man as a basis for an entire kind of mega franchise like Marvel's doing is that you've just got Spidey. And the biggest, best part of the Spider-Man mythos beyond Spider-Man is his rogues gallery. The villains that he has are really good. Having said that, using the villains to kind of expand outward from Spider-Man didn't really make sense to me. And when they announced plans to do the Sinister Six, I kind of wondered how that was going to work to grow their Spider-Man universe. Now with the soft business that The Amazing Spider-Man 2 has done and the fact that they're kind of retreating from some of their grandiose plans, it makes perfect sense for Sony to try and make something financially viable out of Spider-Man without totally rebooting it. And if they pursue that, that means that they do have to kind of look at getting into bed with Marvel. Now, for Marvel, I don't know that this makes a whole lot of sense, because before they started doing their own movies, you can make the case that Spider-Man was their most well-known character. But Marvel has done such a good job of taking all of the characters that they still had control over, film rights-wise, and growing them. Iron Man's a huge character now. Captain America, Thor, all of the Avengers characters, and they've even gone a step further and taken third and fourth tier characters like the Guardians of the Galaxy and made them the biggest movie of the summer. So I don't necessarily know that they need Sony and they they need Spider-Man. I think it would be great and I think that there are people within Marvel who would love to have Spidey be a part of the Avengers somewhere down the road. But I don't necessarily know that they need to make a bad business decision just to make it happen and and Marvel's totally in the driver's seat with that. So it'll be interesting to see but I don't necessarily know that Marvel needs needs to do it as much as Sony needs to do it. So thanks, Jeremy, for asking about that and giving us your comments about the show. Glad you're enjoying it.
it while you're on your run. And if anybody else wants to leave us questions or comments, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 30 minutes of geek, or you can go to midnight-entertainment.com and contact us that way. And maybe we'll be using your comments or questions on a future edition of the listener mailbag. In the chill of night, at the scene of a crime, like a streak of light, he arrives just in time. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Well, then fame he's ignored. Action is his reward. Look out, here comes the Spider-Man. And now it's time for the final round of the 30 Minutes of Geek Trivia Thunderdome. The man with the questions and answers is Chris Hayes. And our final category of the evening is fantasy and horror. Listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. And Chuck, I believe, gets to go first. What famous animator did the stop-motion effects for such films as The Golden Voyage of Sinbad and Clash of the Titans? The, uh, Mr. Harryhausen. That's correct. For Jim, what was the first film that Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi appeared together in? Ooh, the first one. Was it The Black Cat? That is correct. All right, Chuck. What is the name of the mummy in both the 1932 and 1999 versions of the film? Imhotep. That's correct. Jim, what are the names of Johnny Depp and Orlando Bloom's characters in the Pirates of the Caribbean series? Well, Johnny Depp is Captain Jack Sparrow. That is correct. And Orlando Bloom is Will Turner. That is also correct. All right, Chuck. Who is Wesley pretending to be when he rescues Buttercup from her three kidnappers near the beginning of The Princess Bride? The Dread Pirate Robert. That is correct. So we're going to give uh, Jim a chance that. to match over there? I do have other questions. <laughs> yeah, just to make it interesting, since okay. this was the last one, and we were tied. All right. What is the name of TV's Highlander? TV's Highlander? TV's Highlander. Well, the movie Highlander was Connor McLeod. The TV Highlander was the lesser-known Duncan McLeod. That is correct. Very nice. You could understand him a little bit more, though. He, Slightly. Actually. Because <laughs> he's not actually Scottish. <laughs> okay, helped. so we're, are we going to do the tiebreaker now? We can do the tiebreaker. Which Let's category would you all like to do the tiebreaker on? I have... To explain the tiebreaker, the way we did it, Chris has a list mm-hmm. that we are going to have to name something from the list, and we will go back and forth. You'll start, and the winner will be the last person that can name something on the list. Yes, that is correct. Uh, it can be so, from any of the five you, categories. You can pick mm. any of the categories. Star Trek. Star Trek it is. Star Trek. Well, this one is actually very straightforward. Using names, not numbers, name all the Star Trek films. You do not have to do... <laughs> I have the list in front of me. You do not have to do them in order. <laughs> the motion picture. That's one. The Wrath of Khan was two. Yeah, there we go. The Search for Spock. Good. The Voyage Home. Yes. The Final Frontier. That is correct. The Undiscovered Country. Uh, correct. Generations. That is correct. First Contact. Correct. Is insurre- Insurrection next? Uh, that is correct. Yes, All it right. is. The last one was Nemesis. Yes. If, unless we want to count the two reboot ones, which is fine. So. <laughs> I mean, we could. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's one more that... There's, there's a, technically a only one other one that has a name, so... 
Very nice. Uh, we'll just go on to Star Wars then, so we can continue Turbot. Star Wars ones is a little more difficult. The most famous actor out of the first three, the big three, Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, and Princess Leia, was, of course, Harrison Ford. He has made the most motion pictures since the original Star Wars. Not counting the sequels, please name me a film Harrison Ford has made since 1977 with the release of Star Wars. Patriot Games. Correct. Uh, the Fugitive. Correct. Clear and Present Danger. Uh, correct. Uh, the Devil's Own. Uh, correct. Air Force One. Correct. Man, I want to say Air Force Two, but I know it's not. <laughs> Surprisingly, they never um, made a sequel. The Mosquito Coast. Wow, very impressive. Yes, that is correct. Cowboys and Aliens. Uh, correct. Um, working Girl. Yes, correct. Uh, Ender's Game. Correct. Are we counting star? He has to be the star. Or is it, are we counting any movie that he's made? Any movie he's made. I got so his, I could say Anchorman 2. That's fine. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> I have his IMDb and list. I'm saying Anchorman 2. <laughs> it's on there. Uh, Indiana Jones. Which one? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Thank you. Okay, so... Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. That is also correct. We'll see where this is going. <laughs> uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yes. I'm surprised it took us this long to get to the Indiana <laughs> Jones movies. <laughs> We're saving the easy ones. Uh, Witness. Yes. Are you going to make me say Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? <laughs> no. King, <laughs> Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Okay. I'm uh, ashamed, but yes. Yes, that is correct. Oh, man. Now we're getting to the tough ones. <laughs> You okay, guys... you're saying after 77, right? Yes. Um, okay, I don't know if this... It had to have been after 77. Uh, Force 10 from Navarone. That is correct. It was actually 78, to be exact. Gentlemen, I'm drawing a blank here. All right, Jim, you did... Chuck started, so if you can name one more, you will hold the crown. Oh, man. Oh, 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 oh. Um, was it the Frisco Kid? Was that him and Gene Wilder? Uh, that 1979 Frisco Kid, Jim. I uh, am smart. <laughs> Very nice, gentlemen. Man, that hurt. Thank you, thank you, guys. Well, thank you, Jim. And I'm going to play job, appropriately dramatic music to <laughs> anoint myself as the trivia champion. contest that was chuck poston was a great challenger in the trivia thunderdome now okay a couple of things one my wife asked me when i got home the night after the live show how it went and i told her that the trivia thunderdome went down to the wire and we had to do a tiebreaker and she said how did you do a tiebreaker when there's five rounds and i said well we tied the last round and she said how can you tie the last round and i said because it's my show and we wanted it to go down to a tiebreaker for the whole shoot match so that's why it worked out and, and i gotta be honest with you in the trivia thunderdome i mean it's a thunderdome people there are no rules 
it depends on what Tina Turner wants to do. I mean, if she says fight to the death, then you have to fight to the death. <laughs> so we, we do want to thank Chuck Poston again for being in the Trivia Thunderdome. We want to thank Chris Hayes for being the quiz master, and he will be back with a special Halloween edition later in the month of October. Now, the other thing, two or B or part Roman numeral three, in the interest of full disclosure, is, and Chuck didn't know this, and Chris definitely didn't know this because we were trying to keep the question asking as above board as possible. I have an autographed picture of Harrison Ford, and the reason I have that autographed picture is because I wrote him a fan letter. It's one of only three fan letters I've ever written in my life, and he was the first person I ever wrote a fan letter to when I was like, I don't know, like nine or ten, maybe? I mean, not even ten. And I got this picture of him. So the smile on my face when I heard Chris Hayes read the last tie-breaking question, at some point Chuck's probably going to have to come back to get a rematch for that. But uh, again, we want to thank Chris and Chuck for being a part of the inaugural Trivia Thunderdome, and we look forward to doing many more in the future. And with that, we come to the end of another edition of 30 Minutes of Geek. We want to thank you guys once again for tuning in. For Rachel, the Android announcer, the rest of the staff here at the show, I am your host, Jim Yelton, reminding you that when confronted with the eternal questions of life, the universe, and everything, there is really just one answer, and that's 42. Next week, we have the first part of our celebration of Batman's 75th anniversary. Artist and Batman expert Steve Newton joins Jim to discuss the Dark Knight Detective's legendary run in the pages of DC Comics. And in November and December, we will take extensive looks at Batman on television and in the movies. It's Batmania as we toast the long history of our favorite masked vigilante coming up on 30 Minutes of Geek. 30 Minutes of Geek is a production of Midnight Entertainment LLC Copyright 2014, all rights reserved. Find out more about Midnight's exciting offerings including a full library of 30 Minutes of Geek episodes bonus content, blogs, and much more at midnight-entertainment.com.